realize, and especially when you get into atmospheres like this, when there's just a stirring and a moving of, of the Holy Ghost, and, and you can feel like, man, I'm, like, I, like I was mentioning, that drawing, that beckoning of God, and, and I believe so many times it's, it's that beckoning of Him pulling us into that most holy place. But there's kind of a, um, I don't want to say a secret, but there's like, there's a way that I've come to realize to, not just more quickly, but strategically, I guess you could say, get to that point where you can position yourself to be at that veil and, and enter in. And for us now as spiritual beings that also live in this flesh, we're, the, the flesh is, is our veil. The flesh is that separation that we have to live with every day that's, that we have to decide, and, and Bishop talked about it in, in the first meeting, which I would definitely recommend if you weren't here to, to watch that on, online later, when he talked about denying ourselves, and the Lord has just been dealing with me about denying myself getting to that point in front of that veil where, okay, you're here now, are you, now are you going to put your flesh aside enough for me to be able to make that veil thin enough that I can then pull you through into that most holy place, into that place that we were just, just in, and I believe we're in this morning of just that deep pull of His presence, the deep anointing of, of His Spirit that j just washes over us, that you can just feel, and the peace of God, the the anointing of God and all those things. And so I would just uh, encourage you as in your own time of prayer because sometimes I, it can, for me at least, it can be a little bit discouraging when I get into an atmosphere like this with the body of Christ. And, and man, it just it can feel so easy, you know. We, we feel the faith of our brethren and our sisters around us. And, and then I get home and or tomorrow I wake up and, go into my personal place of prayer, and I'm like, okay, God, did you stay at the church, or are you still here? You know, am I the only one? And what I, what I believe that the difference in that is, is, is the veil, is me yielding to, to the Holy Ghost and being willing to allow God to rend the veil of my flesh, Allowing God to put me on an altar daily and say, okay, God, you know, I have this, there's this veil of separation that, that is my flesh, but I believe if I deny myself enough, I get to the point of sacrifice enough that, that you can cause that veil to be thin enough for me to feel that presence and to enter that holy place. Because it's there for us, not just on Sundays, not just on Thursdays, but His presence and His his touch, His peace is there for us every single day. Every single day as we just abide in Him and He abides in us. That's, that's where He wants us to live. It's what He wants us to bring as, as His temple. It's what He wants us to bring to the world around us. Amen. I'm going to go ahead and turn this over to uh, Elder Hart as we move forward today. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Why don't you just lift your voice right there where you are right now? Could you do that to the Lord? 
Would you just talk to the Lord from your spirit? Lord, we worship you. We receive these things. I don't want to be content. I don't want to be content, Father, and I don't want to be someone that refuses to pass through and beyond the veil of flesh to enter into the things of the Spirit, Lord. We desire spiritual work in our lives. We trust in you, Father. We trust in you today. We trust in you today in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. It's wonderful to be together in the house of the Lord today. It's great to see all of you here. Amen. It's a, it is a different and unique environment that 2020 has been. Is that an understatement or what? And uh, we find ourselves um, learning and adapting and... This is the first time we've ever done a two-service format, and uh, I expect that we'll probably continue that for a, a season, and I just felt like after the, the first session this morning or the first gathering together this morning, I felt like that it could be that the Lord is preparing us because right now we have capacity constraints anyway. And so um, even when we get rid of all of the limitations, we would definitely have capacity restraints. And so it could be the Lord is preparing us. So thank you for your adaptability, your flexibility. And um, maybe you got to sleep in a little bit or got a little just rest time this morning before you came here. But I definitely do not want to just step into the mode of, okay, well, this is, this is service number two. Let's do what we got to do and get done. And God's not interested in that. One group coming together is not more important than the other. Uh, God knows exactly what he's doing. He knows who's here and why you're here and why I'm here. And we trust that. Um, we did not know until this morning uh, for sure, who would be speaking or teaching when. We didn't know if... Uh, I asked Bishop if he would be willing to come and speak at about 6.30 this morning. And uh, he said, you know what, I think I would. And uh, so he came here and then left and went to uh, Union Gap. But I encourage you to definitely go. Uh, you can watch it on YouTube or you can... Uh, we'll have the recording up on a podcast as well. Um, but this time together is important. And I feel like the Holy Ghost would speak to us today if we will allow him to. Amen? I want to read a very familiar passage of Scripture this morning. This is something that some of you have heard me talk about in some degree or fashion before. But the Lord began dealing with me about it yesterday early in the morning, and then uh, when the idea of, well, we'll just split into two services came, I thought, well, we'll just see what the Lord wants to do here. And so I want us to go, it helps if I know where I want to read, uh, Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15. And so... 
the Lord knows exactly where we are. I'm going to say that again for everybody. The Lord knows exactly where we are. He knew that you would be here this morning at 1145 or whatever time it is, sitting where you're sitting. He knew this. You have not surprised God that you're here today. You've not caught him off guard. He knew you would be here today. He knew the time you would select to be here. He knew all of this. He knows this about us. There is nothing that is coincidental when we yield to the Lord. And the Lord will direct us and draw us. I, I was reminded today of a time quite a few years ago. It's 20 years ago. Give or take a few months. Where I was awakened early in the morning... And I had this unique thought that came to me. I mean, I awoke and I was wide awake. And I had this impression, you need to go buy milk. And I did what any sane person would do. What's the first thing you would do when that thought comes to you? Well, see, I guess I'm not saying I didn't go buy milk right away. I went and checked the refrigerator to see if we really needed milk. Well, I looked and we had milk. And so I was checking myself and I'm like, nope, you need to go buy milk. So I'm like, okay. So I left my house again early in the morning and where we lived at the time on the west side. And I, I drove and I... I went down to, there was a place at the time called a Fred Meyer Marketplace, not a full-scale Fred Meyer, just a grocery store. And uh, I went there, and lo and behold, the door was locked. They weren't open yet. It was early in the morning. Um, and so I, I sat, I remember sitting in front of there and going, well, Lord, I, I thought that was you. I, I'm here. Well, okay. So I decided, well, I'll go to the Safeway up the road. They're 24 hours. Maybe they'll, that's where I'm supposed to go get milk. And so after sitting there a few minutes and pondering, I turned and started to drive out of the parking lot. And as I went across, vast empty parking lot, as I went across it, I saw a man walking around the parking lot. He wasn't walking across it. I could tell he, he was walking fast. It was like his early, early. I mean, I guess he didn't want to be out when anybody else was out still dark, and he was walking around the perimeter of the parking lot. And so I thought, you know, I need to be careful. I don't want to just roll up on somebody here when it's dark early in the morning. They're trying to exercise, and then somebody in a vehicle pulling up. We didn't live in necessarily the greatest neighborhood at the time, and so um, I didn't want to startle anybody one way or the other. And so I rolled my window down and drove at a distance. I said, uh, good morning, sir. Just trying to get his attention, he sort of looked, and you know, as anybody, a bit little like, okay, why somebody? And um, when I said that, I felt the Lord put words in my spirit, and I said some things to the man that I felt like the Lord. I said, I, I do remember saying, I'm not going to tell you everything that I felt like I 
the Lord put that I shared. But I remember saying, sir, this is probably going to seem strange to you. But the reason I'm here is I was woke up and, and I just began to talk to him for a few minutes. And uh, I said, that's all I have. And he said, okay, well, thank you. And, and that was it. I left. I thought, well, maybe I'm supposed to still get milk. So I went on to Safeway. Well, there was nothing else. Or I got milk just in case I was supposed to. I didn't, you know, I was pretty sure I'd already, the reason I'd gotten up. But anyway, I got a donut too since I was there. You know, it's interesting how the Lord works. He knows where you'll be when you'll be there. The Lord knew that man would be walking around the parking lot at that time. Now, if that was the end of the story, I would be content knowing that God woke me and sent me there. But it was, I don't know, maybe as many as three years later, definitely more than a year, so somewhere between probably a year and a half and three years later. After I didn't know the guy, never saw him again, never met him again. A few years later, we were praying at the church early one morning, and I had been talking. My wife can tell you this. I'd, I'd tossed around the idea for a while of maybe going and climbing Mount Rainier. And uh, so I thought, well, you know what? If I'm going to do that, I need to start getting in shape. I'd read a few books, and I'm like, you know, you're not going to just go out there and walk up that mountain. So I thought, well, you know what I'm going to do? When I get done, I was motivated, and uh, this was the first morning after prayer I was going to go start my training regimen. And so I left prayer from the church that morning. I went to a local high school right down the road from where our house was. And I thought, I'm just going to run stairs. And uh, why people do that just because, I'll never know. But anyway, I, I was going to run stairs. And so I started running up and down those stairs, Brother Martin. I ran up the stadium, the football stadium stairs, and I ran back down. I ran up and I ran back down. And I thought, man, this is going to get old quick and So I'm running up, and well, about the third time up, when I turn around and come back down, it's daylight hours now. It wasn't as early in the morning as last time. I I look, and there's a man jogging around the track. I thought, well, that's interesting. I come back down and go back up, and I see him come around again, and Man, I'm going up and down, and I'm, I'm, I'm not even paying attention to the stairs anymore. My legs knew later that I should have been paying attention to the stairs, but I, I was just watching this man run the track, and I'm running and praying and running and praying, and I realized that's the same man from the parking lot several years ago. Now you can imagine at this time I'm trying to I'm I'm listening. God has all of my attention. I remember I went, I felt like I had things to say, but I didn't have any peace about stopping him. So I remember I went back to my vehicle. There was only one other vehicle there. I'd watched him get out of it. I sat down and wrote a note. However many years ago. I startled you early one morning in a parking lot. And I reminded him of that in the note. 
And I said, here we are again. Today's the first time I've ever come to the school to run these stairs, and you showed up. And the Lord began to give me words to write on that paper. I say all of that to say this again. God knew you would be here this morning. He knew that man would be in that parking lot that morning. He woke me up. He knew that man would come and run around. You know what? I never went and ran stairs again. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. I, I never went. And that was the only time. That was the first day that I started my training regimen. I never climbed Mount Rainier either. I did. That was the first day I'd ever done it. And he showed up that day. God knew he'd be on that track that day at that time. Do you think God is so far removed from your life that he doesn't know where you'll be when you'll be there? He knows. He's intimately aware of you. He's intimately aware of what you're going through. He's intimately aware of your life. He knew you would be here at this time today. He knew you'd be sitting in the seat you're sitting in. He knew this about you. He knew the clothes you'd have on. He knew all of these things about you today. He knows you. And He wants you to know Him. He wants you to know Him. This is His desire. Luke chapter 4. 15, a very familiar story. I'm not going to read the whole thing because so many of you know it, but I, I still, I want to read. Luke 15 and verse number 11. Jesus is speaking here. And he said, a certain man had two sons. Everybody say two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, Give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided to them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey to a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all... There arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, Notice what he said. How many hired servants? Everybody say hired servants. How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perish. I perish with hunger. I will arise. And go to my father. And will say unto him. Father. I have sinned against heaven. And before thee. And am no more worthy. To be called thy son. 
Everybody say, thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Everybody say, hired servants. This story has so much in it. We're not going to cover it all today. I want to try to just make sure we say what the Holy Ghost wants to say. We see two boys, brothers. It would seem from the rest of the story, if you read it, that they were in a good place. They're... They seem to be cared for. They seem to be have their needs met. But as any, as any young man would do, there comes a time and a season in all of our lives where we, there's this internal wrestling of, of breaking away from my father, breaking away from that which has been the authority in my life, breaking away from that and going and doing my thing and going and doing my will and going and proving myself and living my life, not following those rules. And that was mom's life. That was dad's life. But I'm going to live my life. And that pull and that draw of the world comes to every individual that ever lives. Anybody that's ever been born or raised in church as a young person, there comes this pull and this tug on you that's natural. It's, it's, it's human natural, human nature. Human nature. Fleshly nature that says, I'm going to break out from under this that I've always been under. That's this idea that under is a bad thing. And I'm going to break out from that and I'm going to go live my life the way I want to live. I'm going to go do what I want to do. And that's what happened with this young man. His, his father had some things and evidently he understood. I've got some due that's coming my way. And so he said to his dad, Dad, why don't you just give me what's mine? I'm going to, I'm going to be on my way. I'm going to go live the way I want to live. And dad, I'm just going to. And so the father recognized I can't hold him any longer. He's old enough now to make his own choices. I'm going to let him make his choices. And he gave him his. He divided to them their living. That tells me, even though he didn't ask for it, he also gave the elder son his living. Because it says he had two sons and he divided unto them. And so, as we read, this young boy or young man, I should say, took all the stuff he had and he left into a far country. And the choice of words that our Lord Jesus used or that the writer Luke penned in his writing says that there this young man wasted his substance. He had something that had been given to him by the Father. It was substance. It had substance to it. It had value to it. It was worth something. It was more than just a ticket across the country on a far journey. There was substance that had belonged to the father. The father, no doubt, had worked 
to earn it. No doubt the father had invested some things to have it and to produce it. And along the way, and finally the father gave of his own substance. It was the substance of the father that was given to the son. And the son went not recognizing the value of what the father had given him. Not recognizing the value of what had been given to him as a young man. And he went and he wasted substance. And there is in a young man and a young woman a life that if we've ever walked with God and then went astray, whether it would be just a little bit or whether we just went totally off the map, if you will, if I can say it that way. And it's impossible to take what God has given and go out and use it for our own desires and that not be wasting it. I know men and women today that have had an anointing of God on their life, that have walked in the power and the calling of God. I've watched God use them in great and mighty ways. And the scripture says the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. God doesn't take away gifts and calling when they learn to... And I've watched these individuals go out away from God and still operate in those callings and giftings. What are they doing? They're wasting the substance. It's not being used the way God intended. But God in His great mercy continues to reach and continues to draw. Because, hear me, the son may have desired to separate from the father. But the father never desired to separate from the son. The father never desired to push the boy out. The father never desired to get rid of the young man. The father never desired. He never looked and said, you know, this guy's made some mistakes. I just need to go ahead and get him out of here. No, no, no. That was never the heart of the father. The father never looked for a way to dismiss himself from the son. We need to understand that. Because sometimes what will happen is the adversary will deceive us into believing that God's no longer interested in us. Because I made a mistake. I fell. I fall short. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. The father never was willing or wanting to disown the son. The son was just wanting to go out and some people call it sow his wild oats. And he came to the end of himself. He, I'm sure when he went out, he never envisioned himself ending up the way it did. I'm sure he never. He probably had this picture, man, when I get all this stuff, I get out from under my father, I tell you what's going to happen. Man, I'm going to live the high life. I'm going to be, it's going to be great. I'm not going to have to be, you know, dad always looking over my shoulder. Dad always, I, I'm just going to get out from under all that. I'm going to live my own life. And boy, it wasn't long when he was out from under any type of covering. His life was a mess. He didn't have any substance. Apparently he hadn't learned what it was and the value of substance given him. And so he'd wasted everything and he'd spent, the Bible says he'd spent all. He didn't have anything left in the tank. He didn't have anything to draw on. He didn't have anything left remaining. And he found himself in a situation he never thought he'd be in. And there's some of you in this room today, by the grace of God, probably all of us in this room today, we probably, somewhere along the journey, we found ourselves in a place, I never thought I'd be here. 
I never thought, I mean, sure, I made some choices I shouldn't have made, but man, not realizing a small choice here, small choice there, just pushing away from the Father a little bit here, pushing away from the Father a little bit there, stepping away here, dismissing there, and before long what I thought would be something I could control and manage. I've moved so far away and I've ended up in a place, how did I get here? How did this happen? How did my life end up like this? This isn't the story I had written when I was graduating high school. or This isn't the story I wrote when I wrote my paper about what my life would become. And, I, and choices I made caused me to end up in a place I never thought I'd be. Well, you're here today, so clearly you're in a better place than this boy was at the pig pen point. So here he is where he never thought he'd be. And he came to himself and said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to my dad. I'm going to go back. I'm going to return to my father. This is what I want to talk about for the next few minutes. Verse 17. When he came to himself, how many, he said, how many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger. I'll arise and I'll go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. The young man understood, you know, the father's house is better than anywhere I'm at right now. But he determined, in his own thinking, he determined, the only way I can ever go back I can't go back in my rightful place anymore. I've already wasted what God gave me. But I want to go back. And so what I'll do is I'll go back and I'll make a deal with my father. And this is the deal I'll make. He planned his speech, didn't he? Father. Notice his words. Verse 20. He arose. He came to his father. He's got his speech in his pocket. It's pretty short. He's got it in his brain, I guess. Came to his father. When he was a great way off, his father saw him. Had compassion. Ran. This is the father fell on his neck and kissed him. This tells you and I, the father was watching. The father was waiting. When he saw him a great way off, the father saw him. He recognized him. There was something there, even though he'd been in the pig pen, even though he probably didn't look the way he looked when he left, he was still recognizable to the father. 
Why? I'll tell you why. Because I believe every moment of every day, the Father knew where He was. The Father saw Him in every condition. The Father, because we understand this is a type and shadow of Christ and His drawing of a lost soul. And so I believe with all of my heart, the Father knew where He was every moment. He knew where He was and He was just trusting and believing and praying. He'll come back. He'll come back. I'll keep reaching with grace. I'll keep drawing on those things I planted in his heart when he was young. And someday, by the grace of God, he'll come back. And the father was watching, watching, watching. And when he saw him away off, even though he looked different than when he left, he recognized him. The father ran to him. He wanted to make sure he knew, I've not rejected you. Fell on his neck and kissed him. And the the son goes into his speech, verse 21. Just like he thought it. He said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no more worthy to be called your son. I want you to notice something that happened here where we just read. The father saw him, ran, fell on his neck, had compassion, kissed him. Is there any, I mean, what type of show of acceptance is that? You see that? The father was making it very clear. I'm welcoming you back. I've got a place for you. I mean, he falls on his neck. He kisses him. He's embracing him. He had compassion, whatever that looked like to this boy. The boy, the young man ignored the expression of the father. You understand? He already had it made up in his mind how he was returning. And because he already had it made up in his mind, even the expression of the father caused him to stay locked in his own idea about what his new place would be. hope someone's hearing today he was staying locked into his idea even when the father expressed love expressed acceptance expressed a welcoming back into and so he goes into his speech but you notice he didn't finish his speech because there was a part he thought that's not here The next line should read, make me as one of thy hired servants, right? Isn't that what he thought? I'm no longer worthy to be called thy son. Make me as this is what I'm going to say. Remember? So let's see what he says. But the father said, notice, the father cut him off before he ever got to that point. He was getting ready to say, make me one of your servants. And the father cuts him off and said to his servants, The father said, I'm not going to let you express something that's not a place for you. You're my son. You're my son. And I want you to understand, you're trying to just settle to be a servant. 
I'm going to have those servants wait on you so you'll understand the place you belong in my house. So you'll understand what I've called you to. You're in relationship with me. Just because you walked away doesn't mean I stopped being your father. Just because you failed or fumbled or stumbled doesn't mean you're no longer going to be my son. This is something I've ordained for all of time. And if you'll let me welcome you back, I have a calling on your life as a son of mine. Now hear me, let's cut to this out of the parable to where we live. The moment that the young man would choose to be a servant, you realize he would be giving up all of the inheritance. All of the authority. All of the name. Servants didn't have inheritance. Servants didn't have authority. Servants didn't have the name of the father. The adversary would try to get you and I. Because of failure or shortcoming to step into a place that says, I'll just be a servant. And we should serve in the kingdom of God. I believe that. But you understand what I'm talking about this morning. It would try to get you and I to just step into this place of just being a servant. Rather than walking in the calling that we're called to be as sons of God. Because walking as a son of God, I walk in the authority and the calling, the power of the name of God. Jesus said, we're... we're We've been adopted. We have this spirit of adoption because we're made to be joint heirs with Christ. And if I would relegate myself to being a servant but never a son, it's the son that becomes the heir. You're called as sons. It's interesting as you read through the rest of that scripture when he says to the servants, bring forth the best robe and put him on him. Put a ring on his finger. Kill the fatted calf. All these things. Every one of them speak of an element of being a son. That wasn't there for being a servant. Everyone speaks of an element of being a son. Take the robe. Take the robe. I know many of you have heard this, but some of you haven't. And the Lord is trying to help somebody today. Not just any robe. He said, take the best robe. A question for you. In the Father's house, whose robe was the best robe, do you think? Father's. Is that a fair statement? He didn't say take any robe. He said, take the best robe. Take mine. And put it on him. Do you understand what just happened there? The best robe. The son. The son that came out of the pig pen. The son that has the effects of where he's been rather than where he should have been on him. The son that has all these things on his life that are evident that he walked away. The father says, I want to go get the best robe and put it on him. What is happening? He's covering everything that was his mistake and failure. 
This is the robe of the Father. The Scripture talks to us about a robe of righteousness. The Scripture tells you and I that He who knew no sin became sin for us so that you and I could be made the righteousness of God in Him. What is that? It's the robe of God's righteousness that He puts upon us. Not my right works, not my right doing, not me never failing, never making a mistake, but the righteousness of God being put upon me. This is what the Father is representing. First, you must understand, when you and I return to the Lord, and I come back into a place of walking in fellowship and relationship with Him, the first thing He'll want to do is if I'll allow Him to and acknowledge, I've made a mistake, I've failed, I need to repent, and I do that in brokenness before God. Clearly, this young man had repented because that was him coming back. And so the first thing that will happen when I humble myself and truly repent is the Lord will cover. He will cover. He won't start beating me over the head. He will cover. This is the work of the blood of the Lamb. The blood applied to mine in your life in the waters of baptism. If you went down in the water in the name of Jesus Christ, the blood is still as effectual as it ever was. And so when I repent and you repent, Returning to the Lord, He covers us with His robe of His righteousness. And He again takes my sin on Himself. You understand? He takes that sin upon Himself. He takes my failure on Himself. And takes His righteousness and puts it on me. I can't live righteous on my own. That's called self-righteousness. And that's abominable in the sight of God. I need His righteousness. And so He covers me with His righteousness. Notice the next thing. He says, put a ring on His finger. Well, we understand if we study that story and you put a ring on His hand, that wouldn't just be like a decorative piece of jewelry. Not a moment. That ring, what it would be, would be a signet. It would be a ring that would like, like if it was me and I was giving it to one of my children and they would put it on, it would have a big H on it. H for heart. It'd have their, it'd have their seal on it. It would be that very ring that they would dip in wax and then put a stamp on a letter or put a stamp on an envelope. And what would that be? That signet ring that they would mark with would show the authority of the name. It would show the authority that came with it. And so this boy, I mean, he just returned. He just returned. You know, you would think the father would say, you know, it's going to be a while. You're going to have to really, you're really going to have to prove yourself before I just trust you with my righteousness, my robe. But notice the father didn't have this long time of proving. Yes, there's things that I'm sure he had to do in growing in the father's house and beginning to step back into things that God had ordained. But understand, when you and I return to relationship with God or when we step into a relationship away from the world and into a relationship with God, we move away from being a prisoner to the world to stepping into recognizing He is my Father and I can walk in a place of sonship. God doesn't put out all this list of qualifiers before you become a son. When you and I step in and we're washed in the blood in the name of Jesus through the waters of baptism, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, and then we begin walking by the leading of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God in us, responding to His Spirit and walking in it, we are sons of God. 
That's the word. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And so when I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, you're filled with the Holy Ghost, and you just simply begin to pray and read the Word and listen and respond to the leading of the Spirit, you're, you're proving I'm a son of God. You don't then have to say, okay, now I've got to be perfect in everything I do. But there becomes a sensitivity to the Spirit that when I falter or stumble or fail... The Spirit of God can deal with me and I'll respond and that righteousness covers me again. And the authority is there. But the battle that takes place in mine and your mind and spirit is the battle that this young man dealt with. I, just, I, I guess I'll just have to be a hired servant. I'm not worthy to be a son anymore. I'll just have to be a servant. I'm not worthy to be a son anymore. And you live beneath privilege and calling of God on your And the kingdom of God suffers because a man or a woman settles for being a servant rather than a son. That's enough. I just want to be a servant. I'm just glad to be in the house. I'm not looking for the inheritance or the authority. Or maybe you would like to have it, but you've fallen into the trap of believing the lies of the adversary. I'm no more worthy. Read that whole passage of scripture. You'll never find the father saying you're not worthy. Ever. You'll never find the father saying you don't deserve. Every one of the father's actions showed otherwise. Every one of them. He put a robe on him. He put a ring on him. He put shoes on his feet. This is the indicator. The father says, I'll direct your steps again. I'll order your steps again. You walked your own way. But when I'll put shoes on your feet, I'm willing to begin to direct your life again. The moment you submit. And then lastly, he said, kill a fatted calf. I gave you my substance. You wasted it. That doesn't mean I'm not willing to provide for you anymore. I'm still willing to be your provision. This is the plan of God for sons. And here's what I've watched happen in my life. I've watched people who have... Fumbled, stumbled, faltered. I've gone through this in my own life. And move into the deception of just trying to be a servant. And not walking in the calling of God as a son of God. Try to prove it through my own works. Self-righteousness. Try to prove it through my own abilities and authorities. All of those actions that I take. Show that I haven't really accepted sonship. Trying to prove through my righteousness. Try to prove through my authority and my ability. Still trying to make my own path. But please God while I'm trying to make my own path. Still trying to do what I can to provide for myself. Versus trusting the Father to do it. You see how all those elements play out. And they begin to reveal whether I'm living as a son or as a servant. Why don't you stand with me today? You 
called, called to be sons. You're called of God to be a son of God. This is his design for you. This is his desire for you. This is what he wants from you. He he wants a heart that's willing to say, God, I'll come under your authority. I'll submit to your spirit. I'll submit to your leading. If you'll wash me with your blood, if you'll cleanse me by your spirit, if you'll fill me afresh and anew, I'll be led by your spirit. He wants you and I to be his son. This is his plan. This is what he died for. He didn't die to make you and I a servant. He died to make us sons. He could have servants without dying. But dying is what made us sons. It was him shedding his own blood so that we could be made the righteousness of God in him. Dying was about sonship, not servanthood. He had servants before he ever died. But he wanted to bring you and I into a place of relationship with him as a son of God. A rightful heir. And the only way that could happen was Calvary. This is how important it is to God that you and I recognize who we're meant to be in him. He said, I'm going to die to prove to them I want them to be my son. I'm going to go to Calvary so they'll know I'm serious about this relationship. And them being heirs of the promise. I'm going to prove it through my own blood. Come on, stop believing the lies of the adversary that you can never return to a place or go to greater depths in relationship with God because of past failure or past mistakes. I'm telling you, according to the word of God, the moment you respond and run to him, he'll run to you. He'll come to where you are. God would wrap his arms around you and say, this my son was gone. He has returned. He was lost, but now he's found. He'll kiss you spiritually. He'll draw you close. He'll robe you with authority. He'll do a work in your life and he'll use you for his purpose. This is the desire of God for you.